All right. Hello. I can project. I'm just a little shaky right now. Um, and it's not because I'm nervous, even though usually it's because I'm nervous. Hello. Anyway, so I'm going to start. Um, a few years ago, uh, when we started, Tina and I and the five others, uh, we had, it was 2012, and we had something called the Preaching Seminar um, that we took. <laughs> yeah, memories. Um, I signed up because actually Pastor Erin required us to sign up because she required us to sign up. Um, as Emmaus staff, we were, she wanted us to learn how to preach. Um, and so I started off pretty excited with a lot of zeal. I was like, yeah, why not? I want to be on the mic. I want to be, you know, have this honor that I have right now to speak to others. Um, I'd love to do that. Um, but so the first time we went, I kind of, well, we, we, you know, took a seminar. We had all these classes. We read a book. And then we were supposed to have a practicum. We gave our pra- first practice sermon to our classmates and to two pastors who were observing at the time. Um, and the first one that I did, I didn't do as stellar as I thought I would. Um, but I was like, okay, well, you know, whatever. I can still get better. Um, but, you know, we were serving a miss, and I was busy. And the second practic- practicum came around, and we had a topic, but I was kind of like, oh, but... I didn't really prepare. I don't really didn't really have time to prepare. I didn't make time to prepare. And you know, Pastor Christian said, "Well, it's optional. If you want to do the second one, it, you can do it." Um, so I was like, "All right, cool." And in that case, I'm just going to pass because I'm not ready. Um, and so I went to the second practicum. I didn't preach, um, and then Sunday came. <laughs> um, and that Sunday, it, I don't. <laughs> David was there, Tina was there, I don't know who else was there, but what happened was, after our Sunday morning prayer meeting, uh, Pastor Aaron called us all together and kicked our butts, <laughs> because, um, man, this is like, we were, we were reflecting uh, at the end of the three-year commitment last, fall, last winter in December, uh, like the seven of us, or eight Seven plus one, including David on, and then Pastor Aaron. We all gathered, and we were just reflecting, like, what were our favorite memories? What were the most memorable moments? This was the number one for all of us, because it was like, she, she, she tore us a new one. Um, so, <laughs> I, it was to the point that, you know, if you guys know who Pastor Christian is, Pastor Christian is usually known as the one who's very blunt, very harsh. Pastor Christian thought that our rebuke was too harsh. Like, that's how harsh... It was. Um, I, I, and I just cried. I, I, I couldn't do anything. I just cried. I was like, <laughs> um, kind of like I was earlier, but not the good kind of cry, the bad kind of cry. Um, um, and basically what Pastor Aaron was saying to us was, why aren't we taking ourselves and our future seriously? Right? Why weren't we taking ourselves seriously? She wanted us to take the practicum because she saw for us what our dreams were what her dreams for us were, right? She wanted to see us preaching powerfully. She believed in us to do that. But we didn't, right? We didn't. Like, all of us, myself included, you know, we didn't do very well. Like, some people actually preached, but then they, they got the rebuke too because they preached weak. They were like, uh, uh, and then everybody kind of just like, oh, that was nice. Um, we didn't do very well. Um, and so none of us took it seriously, Right? And here I am, three years later, finally on the mic, 
And it, there's a long story that kind of took me here, but um, let's pray. Let's pray. Um, I'm, man, my notes are not helping at all. They are not helping at all right now. Um, so let's, let's pray. I'm going to be praying from Colossians 1.9, or 1.9, um, yeah, starting there. Um, and this is something that I encourage you guys to do occasionally. Um, pray the prayers that are in the Bible over yourself. So let's do it. God, let's pray. God, we, may we be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of you, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of you. May we be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to you. You have qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You have delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Lord, may we see ourselves rightly tonight. Use me as your mouthpiece, and may I speak from your heart. We love you, Lord, and may your presence, as you've already displayed it to us, and your, our perception of it continually can increase tonight. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so the passage for tonight, we are going to be doing reading from 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, if you could open your Bibles. Um, shoot. I have the words here, but I don't have the verse. (laughs) Verse 12, starting from verse 12, and we're going to read until verse 20. Okay, so stay with me. This is a very familiar passage to you, I'm sure, but we're going to shed some light on this. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. But... If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The word of the Lord. Okay. So, as I said, this is pretty familiar, right? And we usually hear this preach like, hey, stop comparing yourself to others. You know, you are... A foot, not a hand. Stop trying to be a hand. Right? That's very normal. Right? And then you also have the, uh, like, you know, like, don't be jealous of the hand because the hand's like, you know, you think the hand's better, but it's not better. That's not what I'm preaching to you tonight. Okay? Um, but I am going to ask you, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Do you know what member of the body you are? Right? Are you aware that you have a huge call on your life? Are you aware that you have gifts and talents? Yes? No? Maybe? Maybe not? Right? But the truth is, you do. Right? And how do you know? Um, And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you. So we're actually going to be talking about humility with this passage. It's going to be, it's, it's, it's a little different, right? It's a little different, but what exactly is humility? And this is what I'm going to tell you. 
Merriam was Merriam Webster would have you believe that humility is not thinking of yourself as better than other people. Would you agree with that? Not thinking of yourself as better than other people. Is that fully correct? Now, let's, let's use an example here, right? Who knows who Usain Bolt is? Usain Bolt. Yes? You know who he is, right? If you don't know who he is, he is the fastest sprinter on the earth. Right? He has a world record for the 100-meter 100 100 dash. Right? I'm not wrong. Um, and now, if Usain Bolt were to say, in, you know, in just to say, it, like, hey, I am the fastest man on the earth, fastest sprinter on the earth, would you, would you say that he is being proud? Would you say that he is being, say, calling himself better than he actually is? No. Right? So then, is he being proud? Is he being humble? Is he being humble, right? Yes, he is. And why? Why is that? He is legitimately the fastest man on the earth. He is thinking of himself as he should, and therefore, he is not being proud, right? He is not thinking of himself as better than he is, but he is thinking of himself as he is. But he is calling himself the best, right? It's, he, he's being humble in this, right? And so... What I would change the, with the definition of what humility is, is th- hum- true humility is thinking of yourself as you should. Right? Actually, um, if, if you look in the Greek, uh, I forget what the Greek word is because it's in my other notes that I don't have with me right now. Um, it's, it means not rising far from the ground. It means not rising far from the ground. It means it's basically being down to earth. Right? Being on the ground. But being on the ground is saying, I am who I am, and that's who I am, right? If I am good, like, objectively, I am a good photographer. Like, if you don't know who I am, I am the media team leader. I am a good photographer. I'm not the best. I'm not calling myself the best, but I am calling myself good, right? I'm eh, pretty good. I don't know. It's up to you guys, right? But um, I see that of myself. I know that of myself. I treat myself that way. I say of myself that way. Right? Am I being proud? No. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing with me. Um, but, uh, yeah, pride is something that... And so, okay, hold on. Let me get backtrack. The whole reason that I'm here to talk about humility is because I want to em- eliminate false humility from our midst. Okay? To erase humility that is not true humility and that all false humility is actually pride disguised as humility. Does anyone have any... Thanks, Jake. Okay, so pride is very blatant, right? If I am not Usain Bolt and I start saying that I am the fastest sprinter in the world, right? If David were to say, I am the fastest sprinter in the world, we would all obviously say he's being proud, right? It's like, <laughs> he, is not, he is not Usain Bolt. He has not broken that record as far as we know, right? As far as we know, he might be. He might, he might actually be faster than him never know. But that, is, that would be pride. That's very easy to spot, right? But let's look at an example of false humility, okay? So let's say someone gives you a compliment, right? And my example that I prepared was David Haram, right? Who was here when David Haram gave his spoken word 
two weeks ago. Is David Haram a good word speaker? <laughs> I don't know what you call that. <laughs> is he a good word speaker? Yes, he is. Okay? Now, if you were to go up to David Haram, yo, David, that was such a good spoken word. And David goes, no, 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 I'm not that good. Really, really, I'm just okay. I'm not that good, I'm okay. Right? That's what, we would, that's what I would define as false humility. Right? But what's wrong with that? Right? That's a very Asian culture, Confucian culture, even like arguably just culture, <laughs> just plain culture um, thing to do. Right? Like, oh, no, no, no. I, I don't want to take that compliment. It's too much. It's too much. Right? But what's wrong with that? So let me break it down to you. By saying, no, I'm not that good, David would be ultimately saying, excuse me. Excuse me, I know better than you know, and I know that I am not good. I know, yo, yo, you don't know. You don't know. I know that I am not good, right? You, you think you know that I'm good. You think you think that, you know, but I've seen all these guys that are so much better than me, and I am no good compared to them, right? I am not good. End of story, right? Do you see the pride? Do you see where it is? It's a little bit hard to see, and that's why false humility is that much more sinister than pride, pride actually. Right? I would actually argue that false humility is a bigger devil than pride is. And that's something that we need to get out of our lives. So let's go back to the foot right? The foot in this passage. Verse 15, it says, the foot says, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, right? And again, we usually think, oh, well, he's comparing himself to the hand and he's thinking, oh, well, you know, he's not a hand. So I need to think of myself rightly. I need to see that I'm a foot instead of a hand, right? That's good. That's in there. But let's reimagine this. The foot says, I am not a hand. So I guess I don't fit in here. And then the eye says, no foot. Come on, you're a foot. We need you. If we don't have you, we can't walk around. We can't do anything. We need you. No. Shut up, I. I am not a hand. That's the end of it. I am, the fo- I am a foot. I'm not an eye. I'm leaving. And the foot just leaves. Right? Right? The foot is full of himself. The issue here is not that the foot is comparing himself to others or that he even desires to be something that he's not. Right? That's not necessarily wrong of him. In, in certain dis- degrees. Like, he, he can dream. Right? He can dream of having certain roles and certain things that he wants to do, but he's still a foot. Right? He's still a foot, and he still has his role. But what's the problem is that he thinks that he knows what's best, and that he knows what's best for him, what's best for the body, and therefore he has it his way. Right? There's this entitlement, like, hey, I want it this way. God, I can't believe you, made, you didn't make me a hand. God, why am I not a hand? I want to be a hand, and it's not fair that I can't be a hand. Right? Could the foot, like, could a foot actually say that? Like, would, it's just like, why would you do that, right? The foot would never think itself, like, yes, none of us would be this, right? None of you would do that, would you? Please say no. (laughs) Right? No, you wouldn't be this blatant. You wouldn't be like, God, forget it. Right? I'm, not, I'm a foot, and that's the end of it. I want to be a hand, whatever. But let's take it, let's take it back, okay? So 
Back when we were talking about Pastor Aaron's story with the rebuke, maybe you don't understand why we needed that rebuke, right? Maybe you don't understand why, like, Pastor Aaron had to just yell at us, make us all cry. And shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, make me cry, okay? And Tina. Yeah, Tina. <laughs> um, by not taking the preaching practicum, what I was saying to Pastor Aaron, by, by not taking it seriously, right? What I was saying to Pastor Aaron is, P, I know you encouraged me. You actually required me to take this preaching class. And I took it, and you know what? I realized I'm not cut out for this. You're, being, you're sending me to this class because you believe in me, but you are mistaken. You have misplaced your faith. I'm not meant to preach, so I'm not going to put forth the effort or even try. That's what I was doing. It's like, you know what, Pastor Aaron? I know myself better than you know me, right? And I don't think I'm good at this. So I give up. Right? Man, if I could just go back and slap that guy, I would, but I can't. I'm not going to slap myself. Right? Um, But have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? Have you ever thought that I am the best judge of who I am? I know myself the best. And therefore, what I think, I should do those things. Right? I know myself. I know my limits. I know what I can and I can't do. So I'm not going to do those things. I'm going to do those things that I think I can do. That I know, quote unquote, that I can do. So, what's the answer to all this? Right? Where, where, how do we know what it is that we are? How do we know who we are? How do we know what I am meant, made to do and what I'm not made to do? How do I find these things out? Okay? So I have three ways... That you three sources of this information, right? And this information, um, it may be a term familiar to you, it may not be, but it's your identity as a believer. It's your identity as a Christian, identity period of who you are, right? This is your identity that we're looking at. So, are you ready? Are you ready to find out who you are? If you are ready, say, I'm ready to get humble. Amen. Amen. Okay? So the primary source of this identity is, of course, God. Right? Any of you could tell, tell us that, right? God is the one who made you. He knows you. He made you best. And therefore, he is your primary source of energy. Thank you. Right? So how do we, get, how do we find out who God says we are? Any guesses? The Bible is a very good answer. Any other guesses? Jesus. Yes. Okay, so the Bible, your prayer, right? These are all very great sources of your identity. And you're still not sure. If you're, if you, you know, you're not familiar with this. You're not, you're not aware that the Bible actually says something about who I am. There is a great resource compiled by Pastor John Michael. It is an extensive document listing f- almost 40. I don't know. How many? 35? What is it now? 30-something. 30, 30 37 or 38. Identities that are found straight in scripture of who you are as a believer. Right? Things like, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Found in Psalms. I am a royal priesthood. 
I am a child of God. I am the salt and the light. All these identities are found in the Bible. And they tell us, they direct us on, about who we are and who we need to be. Right? And this is something that, okay, as a believer, I believe the Bible is, what the Bible says is true. And therefore, I'm going to listen to it. And so, it's easy to submit to what the Bible says. I can believe it. Okay? Second one, second source of identity is your friends. Okay? They are the ones who are going to come alongside you and show you who you are. They see you every, roughly every day. They see you often. Right? They know your ins and your outs. They know about you a lot. Right? And they're, they're pretty good judges of whether you're crazy or not. Right? If I am, you know, we, I, I think I'm a good singer. If, if I think I'm a good singer. Um, and, you know, my friends and I, we all go to Norebang. And then I just, like... It's bad, right? It's bad, right? My friends, hopefully, will be the ones to be like, hey, bro, I know you are pursuing a career in singing, but maybe that's not the best idea for you. Just maybe, right? Hopefully, my friends would be good enough to do that, and hopefully, your friends would be too, right? For me, actually, if you guys didn't know, I started a blog uh, six months ago. Dang, it's been a long time. Um, And... The main reason, so the main reason I started it is this. I actually felt God pushing me, like, hey, like, you should write. I actually felt, like, this desire to write. And I'm like a, if you don't know, I'm a chemistry major, right? And most people will think, what the heck? Why are you doing chemistry and trying to write? Like, it makes no sense. It doesn't match, right? Um, But I actually grew this passion for writing in high school when my freshman year English teacher, she basically, like, took my writing from crap to really good. Um, in one one year, and I am forever thankful to Miss. Oh shoot, <laughs> Mrs. Fairchild, Mrs. Fairchild. I almost called her something else, Mrs. Fairchild. She is like, she is the whole reason that I'm even t- able to like type this all up in like a coherent way. Um, like, man, you should have seen my writing. Um, but ever since then, I just had this like, oh man, I like writing. I like writing, and then. Um, a few years ago, you know, I was in small group at church, and um, my small group leader, Brady, he was like, hey, you should write. And I'm like, okay, I'll start to write. I, I kind of did, but then I didn't really take it seriously. And then every, every so often, it would come up, like, oh, I want to write, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I can. I don't have that much time. I'm not, that in, I'm not sure if it's going to be very meaningful or powerful. So, eh, I'll just, uh, I, I'll just maybe not do it now. Um, but then last year, a few of my friends, they were, I was just talking to them, and I was like, hey, you know, I'm actually really interested. One of my like, kind of dreams is to, to write. Like, I feel like God's asking me to write. They're like, dude, why haven't you? Like, you should have started writing a long time ago. Why didn't you yet? And I was like, really? Why? Like, what makes you think that? And they were the ones who affirmed me, who confirmed, ultimately, the word of God, the impression that God put on my heart for me, and said, hey, you know, as my friend, I want to suggest that you do this. And, and so I did. And, you know, you can, I don't know if you think my blog's good or not. I don't really. Thank you. <laughs> my blog's all right. Um, okay, okay, okay. No false humility. It's a, oh, Lord. My blog is my blog. I will say that. I know that much. My blog is mine and mine alone. Um, <laughs> um, but... <laughs> but I started it, and I, that's something I'm really proud of myself for doing because, number one, it was something that I really wanted to do, and I felt God telling me to do it, and my friends really encouraged me to do it, and so I'm doing it. Um, and 
those are fairly like easy ways. They're very soft, very like, oh, cool, like that's easy. I can do that. Like, ask my friends, hey, friend, what do you think? Do you think I'm a good dancer? Jensen says, no. Okay, I will not become a dancer. You know, like it's easy. Um, but here's the one that I want to uh, smack you with. Um, the third one is from your leaders. The people who have been placed in authority over you. Okay? Do you guys know who those people are? The people who lead, lead you. <laughs> um, the first one, the, the, like, think of your parents. Right? If, you, if you're confused about this, think of your parents. Your parents, what did they do to you? They literally gave you your identity. Like, literally, like, people know you as Ellen because your parents chose the name Ellen for you, right? They said, hey, I want my daughter to be named Ellen, this beautiful name, and therefore I'm going to name her Ellen, and now she will be known forever as Ellen <laughs> until she changes her name at some point when she gets married, right? She'll be Ellen Lee? Yes, right? Um, that's an easy one, right? But then... What about your church leaders? Are you letting them speak identity over you? Are they letting? Are you actually finding them, or like seeking them out, so that they can tell you who you are and who you're meant to be? Are you? Are you really? Right. It's easy with your pastor. Your pastor is your pastor. He's the leader of the whole church. He is supposedly. Well, he is ordained. Right? And he, you know, he's been licensed, he's gone to school to become a preacher, to preach the word of God, and therefore, you know, I, he has this level of authority that I respect and I listen to him. Easy. Right? But what about your small group leader who doesn't have all of that? Who's never been to seminary? Right? Who, you know, who... I don't know, like, the, the, they, they're not your pastor, right? But, you know, they're, they're maybe even younger than you, right? No offense to the shake, like, but, you know, like, they're, they're possibly even younger than you, and they're your leader, right? Especially at, at our church, New Philadelphia, we have what we call community group, and there's a bunch of leaders that we have, and all our leaders are actually, not all, but a lot of us are fairly young. Average age is about my age, right? But there's a lot of people at our church who are older than me, a lot of people who are at my church who are younger than me. But those older people are eventually placed in, or not always, but sometimes placed in small groups where the leader is younger than them, right? Does that mean that that leader then has less ability to speak into my life? I have, if I'm older, I have more experience. I've been around the block more times, right? I know, I know who I am, please, right? I don't need this little kid to tell me who I am. I know who I am. Right? But, like, it sounds crazy, but we think those things, right? So here's the thing, right? Your small group leader, your familiar leader, is not just your brother, not just your sister. They're not just your older brother or your older sister. Sometimes they're not even older, right? They're not your friend. They will act like your friend. They will love you in a way that is appropriate, right? They will be your friend. 
but they are not your friend. And here's the difference. Okay, I'm going to read some scripture to you. So open your Bibles to Romans 13.1. Okay. Oh man, I'm going fast. Are you all there? Romans 13.1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that, have, that exist have been instituted by God. Every authority, right? every leader, every person that has been placed in authority over your life is placed there by who? By God. Not by Tina who organizes all of the small group assignments, who says, hey, I'm going to put Josiah in this guy's, in Joe's familiar. I'm going to put Shake in Matt's familiar. I'm going to put, you know, I don't know where everyone else is. But, you know, I'm going to, Tina does that. But she doesn't do that. Do you, guys, do you guys get that? She does that, but she does that in a way that is prayerful, in a way that she's being led by the Lord to place you into a specific small group, to place you under a certain leader. Right? And so when you are in, put, in, put into a small group, why are you there? Who put that small group leader over you? God did, right? So what should we do? Right? How do we treat that person? Right? Do we treat them just like any other person? Like your friends, who chooses your friends? You do. Did I tell David Haram, to be uh, friends with uh, Sheikh or with Nicholas. No. I hope you guys are friends. <laughs> yeah, you are, you are, right? Did I tell David, David, you got to be friends with Nicholas. No, I didn't. David got to choose whether he or not he wanted to be friends with Nicholas. Right? He ultimately had that choice. Right? We ultimately have those choices. We get to choose. I, I have the authority in my life to choose who my friends are. And I give them authority as I see fit, right? But who put your small group leader over you? God did. Did you choose? Whose authority, by whose authority are you underneath? Or were you placed in that small group? By God's. And so you are under that person's authority, under that person's leadership for a specific reason, because God has a specific breakthrough that he wants to give you through that leader. But if you aren't going to receive from that leader, if you're not going to listen to them, if you're going to think, no, small group leader, I know better than you do about who I am. I know better than you do about what I need, about what I want. And you're not going to listen to them. Ultimately, whose authority are you rejecting? Are you rejecting your small group leader's authority? No, you are not. You are rejecting God's authority. Why? Because God gave that person that authority. Right? You can't fall into that. That line of thinking. Right? So, so what, what, what do we do? What do we do? Right? When Tina comes up, Tina is our college pastor. We don't call her Pastor Tina. Right? I, I, I haven't heard anyone call her Pastor Tina. I don't... I mean... She doesn't want us to call her Pastor Tina, right? But she is our college 
pastor. So when she comes up onto this mic and she says, hey, let's be bold. Is that a suggestion? If you want to, be bold. Is that what she said? No, she said, be bold. And she said, she actually gave an example. Like, you know, you don't know me. Like, I'm introverted. And Tina, Tina actually said, no, Tina, I, Tina is introverted too. And she is able to be bold. But no, 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 no. You don't understand. I am introverted. Tina, she looks like she's introverted. She might act like she's introverted. Right? But she's not, she's not really as introverted as me, please. Like, she can go on this mic and not be stage fright, have stage fright, right? Like, as if she's introverted. Are you thinking that? Are you saying, no, no, no. My introversion is so strong that I cannot be bold. There's no way. Tina, you are wrong. My introversion is too strong. And, you know? (laughs) Are you being bold? Did you listen to her? Did you step out? In what way did you step out? Right? I challenged you guys two weeks ago as well. Like, hey, bring a friend. I'm not, I mean, I'm, ask, I'm doing it in love. Right? I love you guys so much. Like, I hope you guys understand that right now. I might be yelling at you slightly, but I love you guys. Like, if you don't know that, you have not talked to me. <laughs> Because I am, like, one of the most overly affectionate people that you will know. (sighs) Yes, it's a problem. Um, Like, legitimately. Um, um, But I say this because I love you. I challenge you in this way because I love you. Because you deserve better. Okay, we're going to open up Proverbs. Proverbs chapter, what is this? Chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. This is, so Pastor Aaron, back in the day, she would have us read Proverbs together and have us like reflect on stuff and read this. And, and I think this is ultimately what she was teaching us back then. I, I, I was so scared of Pastor Aaron back then. You have no idea. Like, she, one time she called me up after, after her large troop. She's like, Matt, I need to, keep, to talk to you after service. Immediately, I'm like, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? <laughs> I didn't do anything. Why am I getting called up? And then um, ended up being like, Pastor, uh, Pastor Sonny came. Um, uh, basically, her, Pastor Aaron's spiritual mom, a spir- like a spiritual authority, she came to preach at large troop, and she wanted to po- prophesy over me. And I was, I was scared. Initially, and then I heard, oh, it's going to be a prophecy. Oh, yay, yes. Gladly I will receive this. And that was actually like the most epic prophecy I've ever received in my life. Right? I, I still remember it very vividly. Um, but anyway, this is what, this is what I'm, I want to teach you guys today, too. Another thing that I want to teach you, man. Um, verse 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Did you know that if you don't discipline your child, 
you are not loving them. You think that by not yelling at your kids, by not spanking your kids, by never you know, rebuking your kids, you're being loving by being gentle and kind and gentle and kind, right? But you are dead wrong. Have you ever seen a kid who grew up that way? Raise your hand if you've seen that. Those kids are what? They are the most spoiled brats in existence. Why? Because they never knew, they never received discipline, and when they did, they cried and cried, and then the parents were like, oh, no, 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 it's okay, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. I'm not here to do that today, right? Let that sink in, right? Don't be afraid of rebuke. Don't be afraid if someone says you're doing it wrong. That's not a reason to be scared. That's a reason to feel loved, right? And when Pastor Aaron rebuked us that day, that fateful Sunday, let me tell you, I did not feel scared. I was not ashamed of myself. I was not like... I was not like, no, I'm never going to do this again. I give up. I'm running away off back to America. And Pastor Aaron, you're never going to see me again. That's why I'm crying right now. No, that was not that cry, right? That was the, I can't believe that I didn't see that you believed in me this much. I can't believe that you love me this much and that I let you down. Right? That was, I, I was broken, right? Because I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe her. Right? I, and that's why it was hard to listen to her. That's why it was hard to take her word seriously and say, hey, oh, she, she wants me to take this preaching class? She wants me to do well in it? Okay, it's because she believes in me. I didn't, I didn't understand that. And I needed that rebuke to reveal to me that she loved me. So what? What do we do now? What do we do now? When I go to my small group leader and I say, I don't have a small group leader. Tina! <laughs> Tina! She's t- actually, Tina is technically overseeing all the staff. I love Tina. She is... She is But when I go to Tina and I have a problem, I'm Tina, I'm depressed. Tina, I man, this is getting me down and I, I I just can't I can't I can't see myself as ever getting married because I think that I am like let me let me let me just be real. Let me just be real. <laughs> Right? This is, this is, this is, this is pseudo what the conversation was. Um, but, like, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna give this as an example, right? But, I don't, I didn't believe that, for actually, like, there's, there's part of me that didn't believe for a while that I was ever, it's not that I didn't think I was gonna get married, but it was like, I don't think anyone's ever gonna date me. 
right? Like, why? And, and, and there's reasons for that. If you, if you, I t- shared this with some people, but actually, um, growing up, how, how much? Growing up, I, uh, I got, I, I, so I'm a person who's very, again, affectionate. I'm very relational. And I actually really love, I really hunger for intimacy. Um, and you know this because since kindergarten, I have wanted to get married. Like, I literally wanted to get married to, like, my best friend in kindergarten. And I, I'm, like, I'm not even kidding. I legitimately wanted this. I would imagine it. I would, like, play it out in my head, right? Until, like, every year, every year. Like, it wasn't always a new girl, but then every year I had this, right? And, and then it came to middle school, and everyone started dating in my school, around middle school. And they were like, oh, he's my boyfriend, he's my girlfriend. And I was like, I want that, <laughs> right? And, and so I, I found the girl that I had a crush on, and I wrote a note to her. It was really dorky. Um, I'm sure she was really awkward. Um, but she rejected me, right? And I didn't know, I didn't know any better. And, and I don't think I t- talked to my parents about it. They never really spoke into my life in that way, unfortunately. Um, but they, she rejected me. And, and I was heartbroken. And then I was like, but my hunger, my desire for intimacy was so strong. I was like, okay, I'll try again. Tried again in eighth grade. Rejected again. Tried again in ninth grade. Tried again in tenth grade. Maybe twice or something in eleventh grade. And like I until like college. Until I my sophomore year of college, I actually so I actually never thought I'd date. uh, I thought I'd always be dating a Christian girl, Um, but no Christian girls were giving me the time of day. And so I was like. All right, well, at least there's this girl who, you know, she's at my work. She's not a Christian, but she's cute. She's nice. She's, uh, you know, and so we, I asked her out, and then she rejected me. And then she actually, again, later decided that she didn't want to reject me anymore, and then we were suddenly in a relationship, and I was like, what the heck just happened? Um, but, and then, but then we dated for, like, six months, and I realized that I had made a huge mistake. And then I, I had to break up with her. I actually re- realized I had made a huge mistake two months in, and then I said crap, I can't let go. Like, I, it was just so strong in my heart, this desire, this desire to make it work, to have intimacy. And I was like, no, nah, I'll make it work. And then four months later, not good. And so I broke up with her. Um, but I, th- I, I don't know why I just shared this. <laughs> but I, basically what I was saying is, I am, I am afraid that I'm never going to get married. Like, I was, never, I was afraid that people were just always going to reject me. Right, and and so if I go up to Tina and say, Tina, I have this problem. I feel like everyone's just going to reject me, and I say to her, No, Tina. Like Tina says to me, sorry, Matt. Don't you understand that you are worth marrying? Don't you understand that you are attractive? That you have reasons for people to want to marry you? And And I just said, No, Tina. Look, did you just not hear my whole testimony to you? Like, did you not hear how many girls have rejected me? It's always going to be the same. Do I not know better from my experience with my life that I am not ever going to get married? And Tina says, no, Matt, come on. The Lord says, I don't know what the Lord said, but, you know, like, (laughs) like, 
if Tina goes up to me and says, Matt, no, you're wrong. You need to see yourself as attractive. And I say, no. What's happening here? It's false humility. It's pride on my part to say that, no, my problem is bigger than what you think it is. My problem is bigger than what God can do for me. And so I'm going to stay in this pit. I'm going to stay doing these things that I want to do and continue living the life that I believe I am made for, that I'm meant for of singlehood and celibacy and (laughs) just live in that way. Does that make sense? Absolutely not. And so... When you go up to your small group leader and you have a problem and you have a situation where you don't know what to do emotionally, spiritually, physically, like whatever, and they give you advice, is that a friend's advice? Are you just going to take that as a friend's advice? And just be like, nah, nah, nah. Like, oh, come on. I, I guess she's, she's right, but... I don't know. Or are you going to take that as God's authority over your life? As God's word over your life? Right? I believe, you know, we at Emmaus believe that God speaks today. That God speaks today. That he's speaking to you right now. You may not recognize his voice, but you hear it. And I believe that, especially as people who have matured and people who have been trained in this, who have been um, growing in this, in their prophetic gifting, in their prophetic being, just hearing from the Lord, in their ability to hear from the Lord, I believe that our staff and our student leaders are very, very, you know, if you are having trouble hearing from the Lord, your student leaders, your small group leaders, our staff here are very capable of hearing for the Lord with you, for you. But do you believe that? Do you treat them that way? Do you believe that what they are saying to you is not actually just what Tina's advice is? Or do you believe that that's actually what God is saying to you? And I'm not saying, and this is where the other aspect of humility comes in, right? I'm not saying that our leaders are perfect. I'm not saying that any of our student leaders, especially not me, right? I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I am far from it, right? If you know me, I am far from it, right? But can you still humble yourself? Can you still humble yourself yourself to your leader? Can you still say, hey, leader, I want to hear my identity from you. Help me to think of myself rightly. Help me. I, I can't do it. Right now, the way that I'm thinking about myself, it sucks. I am discouraged. I can't get out of this. Right? And the reason that you can't get out of this is because you're not allowing your leaders, the word of God, to wash over you. To renew your understanding of who you are and what you were made for. Right? The, the theme of, of like the, the vision statement of Emmaus is we believe we were made for more. Right? Ultimately, that's like the staff saying that over you guys. We believe that you were made for more. That's why we are here. You 
were made for more than depression. You were made for more than rage issues. You were made for more than lust. You were made for more than a mediocre life of just whatever. Like, let me tell you, I used to be depressed. Like, I used to be so depressed because of what I just shared. Like, you look at me now, you'd never think that, right? But I was insanely depressed, right? I, I couldn't get out of it. And I didn't have anyone speaking to my life. I needed someone to speak into my life, to speak life over me, to show me what life is, that life is possible with God, that life with God is different, right? We, as staff, we have all experienced this changing power of Jesus. We have seen it time and time again. I've seen God heal physically. I've seen God heal spiritually. I've seen people delivered from all kinds of whatever issues they have. We believe for you. We are never going to speak words of, like, like, we're not going to, if we tell you that you shouldn't become a professional singer, right? It's not to say that you're not good at singing. Maybe you're a fantastic singer. But what if I'm saying that because I actually don't, I see something more for you than just a singing career. Right? We're, we're here to believe for greater things than you, for you. Do you believe that? Will you trust us with that? Because God's placed us in your life to do just that. Let's pray.